like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And I now, I just while I was saying that, I was wondering, how many times have I said that? It's got to be a lot. There's several hundred, we're over a hundred episodes. Um, as, so I have said. As always? Yeah, as always, and uh, Corey Starr, you know, it's just that whole, like, phrasing. Um, it felt very, like, I was I aware. I like that intro. Of, yeah, oh, I'm not changing it. I just was like. Perfect. It became aware of how many times I've done it uh, because it's been a long day, folks. Um, uh, we are uh, in the middle of June. I had to think for a second. <laughs> Again, it's been a long yeah. day. Um, and we are in the unwanted theme, which is uh, sequels that nobody necessarily asked for. It does not mean they're bad, although they might be. This week, we're talking about The Raid 2. We'll have to wait to find out if we thought it was good or bad as a sequel. Um, but it's from 2014. It is a sequel to The Raid, colon, redemption the rare occasion where the first movie has a subheadline and the second one does not um but uh cory had to do double duty because she'd never seen the raid um so she had to watch both movies this week to to be i mean you didn't technically have to but uh i i will say that it definitely pays off to um have watched both because raid 2 is a direct sequel uh, to the first in a way that i was way off i believe last week i said i, I don't know how connected they are they are so connected like super connected minutes after each other i didn't even know what was happening at the beginning of this movie because i watched the raid like three years ago and i didn't realize i needed to like refresh my memory until i was into this movie i'm like yep i don't remember anything i have to read the the synopsis so we will get into our review of the raid too in a little bit but in the meantime we like to catch up with how things have been going and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded so Corey, how's it going good um, I have things to report. Oh, okay. actually, um, I know because I'm not very interesting, but I've been baking cookies all evening because, and also let's talk about, I like baking, but there for a little bit, it was a little stressful to me. So I haven't baked in a while. Mm. So I went to bake cookies today and I didn't have flour or sugar, which are both very necessary components. All I really had was a lot of chocolate chips and some walnuts. Yes, I put walnuts in all my chocolate chip cookies. Um, but um, I make really good chocolate chip cookies. But uh, yeah, so I had to go to the grocery store too, and I hate going to the grocery store. But I baked like five dozen chocolate chip cookies because tomorrow is record store day. Drops. Oh, I didn't realize that. One. Yeah, usually it's in April. I think it's the third Saturday of every April, but last year and this year because of covid they've like swapped it up this last year there were three drop days and this year there are only two tomorrow and then one in july but i always make my local record store chocolate chip cookies for record store day um yeah so i'm excited about that but i have to wake up early but i did get Is the that... first time slot i'm 8 to eight fifteen, which i don't know how many other people are with me but nice yeah is is that do you make the cookies because Corey makes cookies in empire records um what is it's her name not Corey. Corey, Corey didn't make name? the cookies, did she? Oh, I thought. It, oh, the guy next door at the pizza place. Why am I forgetting his name? He makes brownies. Yes, yes, but she brings something for Rex Manny. Oh, I guess the buttons. What does yeah. she make? She brings something because she gets in the car and Renee Zellweger says, "When did you have time this. to make these?" I think you might it, be right. I think I she don't... makes cookies. I feel. I feel she definitely makes something because like the... you must be right because. I she has a Tupperware, doesn't she? I think you're right. I think so, because and she, the, Renee Zellweger definitely says, "When did you have time to make these?" And, and I feel like she bites into one. Corey's a, a little speed. bit addicted to speed, yeah, but not the movie. She doesn't just keep rewatching Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock's uh, no, like, action. The substance. The um, we're we're real. We're on top of things here. Uh, so. But I was just curious because that's funny that you make them like cookies because it's rec- it's not Rex Manning Day, but it kind of is Rex Manning Day. Um, well, it I I don't know. I take I take them record store day and I take them Christmas and sometimes uh, I take them. There are a couple people there that have birthdays around the same time, so I take them stuff. Yeah, I just I like a, to bake and 
I like when people like the things that I make. Indeed. No, I get that. I, I mean, if if we lived closer, I would ask for some cookies. But I would give you cookies. Um, I have a lot. I have I have a food story. Yes. Um, so it, it's been pretty consistent for the last several Fridays. My my daughter ends up working. And so it's, it's, we kind of turn it into date night. Uh, my wife and I, we will, uh, get a meal together after I, I usually have to pick her up from work and then we will get dinner and it never fails. Neither of us are ready to pick something, uh, (laughs) but we're both really hungry. So we start getting really like snippy at each other. Um, and, and so a few weeks ago we drove for way too long and it was getting very late and she finally was like, let's go to Outback. And then I was like, yeah, it's going to take forever. And we got it out back and it actually went really fast and it was fine. But we were like really like at each other's throats. And then I don't remember what last week was. Last week ended up being really easy for whatever reason. But tonight I am currently, and I'm going to talk about this a lot in the next segment, but um, I am virtually at the Tribeca Film Festival right now. And so all day I was thinking if I were in New York at the actual festival, I would be having New York pizza tonight. I really want to have a New York pizza for, as best I can get in Florida um, for dinner Water. because it, it is, but, uh, but um, you know, my thing is like, I don't want like chain pizza. I want the closest thing Florida has to offer near me to a New York slice. So no Sbarro uh, so, has been closed, Corey. That's oh, a long, long time. Uh, our mall is dying, but um, we do have a pizza place in that mall instead of Sbarro. That is actually what we ordered from. So two weeks ago, we got a calzone from this pizza place, and I really liked the calzone. And I, I did. We didn't get pizza that day, but it, it looked good. And I was like, man, I really want to try their pizza, but I don't want to go into the mall because the mall has also been closing early uh, because of COVID and stuff. So I wasn't even sure how late they were open on a Friday night. Um, but I got home with with Kathy, and I looked, and I, there's this app. It's like Grubhub or or DoorDash. Neither are sponsors, but if you'd like to, let us know. And um, we like food. This app lets us uh, order from like local pizza places that don't have like their own website or whatever, but like you can use this app to do it. So I'm like, cool. It's there on there. It says it'll be like 30 minutes. Why not? So it's like 630. I order a pizza, a large salad, and being a little splurgy. And also you had to spend like $20 to do this. So I was like, I'm going to get, I have to get something else. They had cannolis. Oh. I've never had a, a cannoli before. So I'm like, I'm going to add the cannolis, right? Mm-hmm. so when i put the order in initially it says it's gonna be 30 minutes when i put the order in and it's accepted it says 7 30 so it's gonna be an hour Ooh. i'm like okay okay it's friday night fine no big deal 7 30 rolls around nobody's nobody's showing up so now i'm getting a little worried maybe something glitched with the app or whatever maybe they dropped it off at the wrong house because that's always one of the things with these like food delivery services they don't especially this particular app i hadn't used before um so I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and then uh, I get a phone call. I'm like, okay, it's probably the guy who doesn't know where it is. It's not the delivery guy, but it is the, the pizza place. The There was apparently an accident on, on the major highway, and traffic was really backed up, and they're, they're on their way. I'm like, okay. And he's like, but um, I noticed that the large pizza that you ordered was looking a little dry because it's been sitting for longer than it was supposed to. So I made you a fresh medium pizza that I'm throwing in for free and i'm like wow that's real nice of you you know because I, I didn't have to complain or anything he did that instinctively knowing that you know people are hungry it's friday night I'm like cool it's all gonna be okay so an hour later two hours since i've ordered the pizza i still have nothing and i spoke to the guy two more times since that phone call where he threw in the media pizza medium pizza and I'm like, oh, man. And I see my wife losing her mind. She's trying to not show it, but she is starving and angry. Not at me, but I feel responsible because unlike usual where I refuse to pick something, I was assertive, chose a location, and it is backfiring <laughs> left and right. Which is why I don't usually like to pick the place. I it was like I I let my craving for New York pizza dictate my action, and it backfired. You're allowed to pick sometimes. So the guy, the last thing he tells me, he's like, "Look, I understand that the food is coming. The delivery guy went to a different because he had multiple deliveries. It's Friday night. He went to the the farther place first, so now he's stuck in a different traffic jam, making excuses or whatever. But also, like, he's not. He never offers me a refund." 
but instead says, you come tomorrow or Sunday or whatever, and I will give you the same order for free. No, you know, no questions asked. Of course, I'm sure when I get there, oh, I don't have any note about that. I'm sure that's what's going to happen to me because I'm too nice and that's what I took. But the delivery driver was also very friendly, very apologetic. Like they, they're, and here's the thing. Here's the kicker. One, I've never had a cannoli, but oh my God, I wish I'd never had a cannoli because they are so good <laughs> that I'm going to want one all the time now. And I was, I was just like, oh, this was a mistake. I shouldn't have got this because this is way too good. Um, but the pizza was also good. It was very cold, which I, you know, heated it up and it was still really good. Um, and we have way too much of it because again, we got an extra pizza, uh, which is great. But also like now I'm like, when I, I was splurging tonight with pizza, I don't want to get another pizza, but I also don't want to lose the money. So I'm going to have to get another pizza and figure out some way to not feel horrible for eating pizza two or three nights in a row. Um, especially cause I am actively exercising and trying to bulk up and I didn't, I was again splurging with the pizza, so it's it's a little problematic. But that was our pizza ordeal uh, today. Also, the salad was great, um, but uh, I also ate too much food. I'm still very very full. Um, I don't usually eat uh, pizza anymore, and I usually don't eat as much pizza as I allowed myself because of the chaos of the evening. I'm like, well, I'm gonna just have to get. I'm gonna have to eat this pizza because it was way too much stress uh, over it. Uh, um, but yeah, that was our, our dinner exploit uh, this evening. Um, again, lesson learned. Uh, never pick the restaurant. Let someone else be responsible for that nonsense. and uh, Or just cook. <laughs> Cooking is a guarantee. Especially, especially right now. Uh, yeah. Well, and that this is now the second time we've tried to get food from somewhere using an app that backfired because the... Uh, I, I think I talked about the Jersey Mike's ordeal a few weeks oh, back. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I do think the apps need to have a, a off switch where the people in the store can say, stop taking orders. Oh, We're too busy. No. Yeah. Because, because it's nuts. Like, because I think that might've happened. We, Kathy, I don't know if, if I've ever talked about this, but Kathy like is really interested in like true crime and stuff like that. So she, she like has the, like an app on her phone that basically like reports if like there's a scan, like the police scanner kind of thing. And there was no reports of accidents on the major highway that we live near and on that app. Now, I don't know how accurate the app is, but she seems to trust it. Like, and she uses it way more often than I would ever care to know about. And um, so I don't know if he was just trying to make an excuse and it was just like maybe they were too busy and he didn't want to say we're too busy or whatever. Um, I should have went and got it. I, I, that's on me, I guess, for that, but... No, if... No. I know. I'm I, Again, I'm very nice. I'm very accommodating. I probably told Stop. him I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I'm sorry I bought food from you, but I apologize. I, I didn't mean, mean to make you make pizza. I didn't mean to give you my money. I mean, I just feel like if... I know there are going to be growing pains and stuff, and if they're a small business, obviously... But yeah. it's been interesting during all of this, seeing how fast or how even like some businesses, especially small businesses, have adapted, you know. Yeah. I don't well, know. I do know that this guy is definitely, it's a very, you know, small operation, few people working. I, him. <laughs> I'm purposely not name dropping. I, I have no, like, I, I think it was a, a, a slip up. The food is Word. really, really good. And um I mean, if you enjoyed that cannoli two hours later, I hope you get a fresh one. I know. And I also don't want a fresh one because, oh, my God, I don't need <laughs> I'm to have Google. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Billy, you they, better get my boy. <laughs> real good. Uh, but, yeah, that's um, that was my my food experience. And again, all because of Tribeca, which I think leads us to what we've been watching. Um, do you mind if I go first this week? No, go. So I've watched quite a bit because I'm on summer break. Um, I also, I have been doing stuff with some friends and whatnot, so I'm not exclusively watching movies, but I did have a few different days this week where I watched three movies in a single day. Um, so I watched on Saturday, uh, Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny, which is a rewatch. I've seen that movie many times. I love it. Uh, I think it's, it's fantastic. It's stupid, but it's this type of stupid that I enjoy and I really love the music. Um, I needed like a comfort movie. Uh, Bo Burnham, Inside. I don't know if you've seen this or not, Corey, but- I'm a huge fan of Bo anyways. Um, I love eighth grade and he's awesome in the big, uh, big sick. 
And then I've seen his stand-up specials and I enjoy those as well. But Inside is brilliant. I've now been listening to the album that he released, I think, yesterday. Um, so if you have like uh, Spotify or, or Apple Music or YouTube Music, um, you can listen to the whole album, which are all the songs from the the, the uh, special. It's fantastic. Um, and then I had rented Willie's Wonderland. Uh, the Nicolas Cage Five Nights at Freddy's inspired horror movie. It's it's fun. It's not great, uh, but it's it's definitely watchable. I watched the movie that we're going to be talking about uh, tonight. Um, then I watched In the Heights uh, last night. The new um, oh, John Chu, John Chu, I think is his name, the director from Crazy Rich Asians. But also, uh, it's written by Lin Manuel Miranda, which I didn't know this, but it's uh, apparently that was his first Broadway musical before Hamilton. Um, that now is adapted for the screen. And I didn't realize that it was before Hamilton. Um, I really liked in the Heights. There's a lot of references to Hamilton and also to another classic movie that I love uh, that really made the movie click for me. There's some really great musical numbers. There's some not so great stuff in the movie too, but uh, it was definitely very enjoyable. And I ended up really having a good time watching it. Um, Today started my ability to watch movies from Tribeca. And so I watched three films from Tribeca um, Matt and I will be talking about Tribeca on the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast for the next two weeks, um, as well as both posting reviews on each other's sites. So uh, some movies I'll be writing about, some Matt will be writing about, but our reviews will be on uh, both of our websites. So um, same review, though. So like if I wrote a review for the movie I'm about to talk about, it will be on my site and on whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Nice. So wherever you read your reviews um, and same thing, whatever Matt writes, I will be posting on um, uh, BerkReviews.com. So. Um, but, uh, I watched seven days, which is really good. Uh, and, and the reason listener, I'm actually talking about this, um, is R- Tribeca is virtual this year. And if any of these movies appeal to you, you can rent them. Uh, there's a limited window, but, uh, all of the ones that I'm about to talk about are open to rent right now. Many of them are open for the rest of the festival. Some of them will shut down just a couple of days later. It just depends. Um, so if you hear something you're interested in, go to TribecaFilm.com and take a look. And uh, Seven Days is a COVID movie. It's the first COVID film I think I've watched, unless there's one. I, I feel like I'm forgetting one, but I don't know for sure. But um, it, it, it meaning that it does, in fact, discuss uh, the characters are are in quarantine as a result of COVID. Like it is that COVID related. Um, but it's a really brilliant kind of premise for why they end up, uh, why it's a uh, how the story deals with it. Um, really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I watched Poser, which is a film that I think Corey, I think you would enjoy um, partly because of the nature of it. Uh, it's a lot about underground music and all of the music in the movie is actual underground musicians, including the one I sent you earlier. Uh, something, the witch stick, witch steak. I don't remember what I, I'm not. It's a, it's a name. I, didn't click for me but um it's an interesting movie uh it's not it's it's good it's different and um but it's it's definitely going for some interesting angles uh and then the one that uh, the last one i watched um mark mary and some other people uh i have become a really big fan of Haley law she's only in a few movies so far but uh, she was in a film i saw in 2018, I can't remember if I saw it at South by or if I saw it at Tribeca uh, in 2018, but it's called The New Romantic. Really enjoyed that film. Haley Law was the best friend in that. She's the best friend character in Spontaneous from last year, a movie I recently watched and talked about uh, briefly on this podcast, and I loved that film. Um, and then this movie, she's the lead, and she's excellent. Um, uh, but the director is Hannah Marks, and she had directed a movie I reviewed last year called Banana Split that I also really liked. And she's got a really good sense of uh, humor and um, deals with like sexuality and gender in very woke ways without being uh, um, exploitative or explicit. Like this movie is about a a married couple deciding they want to try an open marriage. And there are several implications of sex, but they there's no nudity in the film. And the the few moments where there is like sex on screen, it's very tame and timid um, by comparison. So it's definitely an R movie because of language and context, but uh, in terms of what you see, it's it's pretty tame. Especially again with that premise, it it could have been very explicit, and it's not. So, um, plus there's a lot of really cool cameos in this movie. Uh, J- Gillian Jacobs, who people would know from a Community, 
um, Joe Lat- uh, Truglio, who is most famous for Brooklyn Nine Nine, but he's in a bunch of stuff. And then Leah Thompson shows up um, uh, for a very small part, but Leah Thompson most famous for Back to the Future, but other movies. But that's where I most famously would know her um, as I love Back to the Future. But um, and I also watched uh, the first episode of Loki on Disney Plus, which I enjoyed very very much. And if you haven't watched, I recommend. Okay, so I felt like this week you hate me <laughs> because Aww. I did have to watch both of the movies. Ugh. Um and then I have been rewatching Shit's Creek. I also watched Bully's Wonderland. I feel like you have a more positive feeling towards it than I did. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure my husband asked me what are you watching? <laughs> um and then I finally Finally, because I was sick on release day, May 27th, finally got to see A Quiet Place 2. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, but maybe our listeners don't know how much I love Killian Murphy. <laughs> like, I really love him. And it's been a long time since we've seen him on the big screen, right? Wasn't it the, Bat- the Dark Knight trilogy? I'm trying to... I mean, we see him in other things, but... I'm like, when was the last time I saw him in the theater? But um, I thought it was really great. So really glad. I felt like the... I felt like there. it's way different, though. Like, the thrills or jumps it's going for. Which I thought was interesting. But um, I still thought it was very good, very solid. And that's all I've been watching. Well, that's not bad. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid list. And again, uh, the raid two was a little long. Um, like two and a half hours is always a little long, in my opinion. Which I think that's a good entry point to the stats. Let's look at the stats for the raid two. Um, the raid two came out twenty fourteen. It is eight point oh IMDb user rating, a seventy one Metacritic uh, score. Uh, directed by Gareth Evans, written by him as well. Stars, uh, oh, here's where I get to really butcher some names. Uh, Iko Uas, who is going to be in the new G.I. Joe Snake Eyes movie, which I'm excited about. Um, I, I'm more excited about Snake Eyes than I feel like I should be, but the trailer made me excited, and I liked Snake Eyes as a kid. He was my favorite G.I. Joe because he was a ninja. Um, uh, we get Yan Ruin, um, Arifin Putra, Oka Antara, and that's I, I feel like that's sufficient. Um, Oh, well, we got to throw out Julia, Julie Estelle because uh, her character name is Hammer Girl. And I saw that before that scene came up in the movie and was like, why is she called Hammer Girl? And I was not disappointed. Nope, not disappointed at all. Uh, we'll get into that in spoilers probably. But um, I saw one. I was a really big fan of martial art movies when I was in middle school and high school, like obsessively love them. I had a picture of Bruce Lee on my wall instead of like where some people would have Jesus. I had Bruce Lee. I loved martial arts uh, and martial art movies. Um, And so uh, there is still a place in my heart for these movies. I don't watch them as much as I used to. I mean, I watched anything that had martial arts in it when I was a kid. Like I, that's why I saw a lot of old Roddy Piper movies because he did a lot. That's why I knew who Billy Blanks was before Tybo was a thing because he was in a bunch of HBO like, martial art films there was a movie with mark dukakis called only the strong guy watched way too many times loved anything that had martial arts in it um and so when the raid came out people were raving about it how great it was and i was very very late to it i came again like six years after it came out i bought both movies and meant to watch the second one and then i just never got to it and this came up for our our theme i was like this is perfect i've been meaning to watch this sequel for a long time Now's the time to finally do it. Um, that said, I really do wish I had taken the time to rewatch the first one because I don't know if some of my criticisms of this film are also in the first film or not. Like, I think there's some amazing martial art choreography in this movie. There's some really inspired fight scenes, things that uh, you haven't seen, or at least I had not seen um, in other movies before. Where I think the movie is lacking is I don't like some of the shot choices during the fight sequences. They go for the shaky cam approach, mm. which got really, really popular during the, the born identity and the born supremacy and born ultimatum. 
that was like that franchise's trademark action sequence style was very shaky handheld camera. Um, this does that for a lot of the fights, not all of them, but for many of them. And it's also a real close up shaky cam. So you really can't see a lot of the action. Um, you, I guess, quote unquote, feel it, but I'd rather see it. I don't want to get hit. I want to see the dude get hit. And um, I, I'm a big fan of a YouTube channel that's been uh, uh, not active for several years now, but it's called Every Frame of Painting. Oh, the video videos are still there. Unfortunately, he stopped making them, which makes me very, very sad. But there is one on Jackie Chan and and how he because uh, Jackie Chan not only is he an iconic uh, actor, martial artist. But he's also a director, especially in Hong Kong. He directed a lot of his uh, Chinese movies that uh, he didn't get the same opportunities here because, you know, Hollywood. But um, the way he shoots a scene, like that's Tony is the, the guy who does every frame of painting. And he breaks down Jackie Chan's style. And I, ever since I watched that, I am very harsh in martial art critique. And that's my biggest complaint about this movie is I, I think some of the camera choices are a little too like garish and hard to see what's going on. I want to see, cause I, I watched the guys in this movie and you can tell they're talented martial artists. I want to see them do that. It's like, if you're watching, um, this is actually a, a legitimate criticism that was levied at, uh, Mary Poppins returns is there's this really big dance number, uh, for, I forgot what they're called, but they, the lamp lighters, it's like the lamp lighter song. It's the equivalent of the chimney sweep song from the first Mary Poppins. That, scene is is edited so erratically and so many like close-ups that you can't see all of these people who are dancing there's like 20 or 30 people dancing and you can only see like two of them and you can't even see all of what they're doing because they choose to shoot it in a close-up or whatever and it's like you have these talented dancers and this probably months of choreography that then you you don't show for no real reason. There's no reason to go to a close-up when a, a person's dancing. You want to see them dancing. And that's the same with martial arts in a lot of sen- senses. Like, you want to cut in maybe to the impact, but you also want to see the the moves that they're doing, not just the facial expressions that they're making when they're doing the moves. Because, again, these guys are capable of doing the martial arts. Like, these are actual martial arts actors they're not just actors who don't know how to fight, like, or even pretend to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, this is what they do. So sh- let them be seen doing that stuff. It- it's like if you did a really risky stunt and then you just filmed it on a GoPro looking at their face. Like, the whole point is the stunt, not just their face. Like, again, you can show both. Um, one of the things Jackie Chan does a lot is that he will show the the punch twice. He'll show it from the wide and then he'll cut in close so that it, it looks like a, a jump cut. It looks like a mistake, but you get it. You get that it's showing the impact and there are ways to establish that, that I think would have been smoother. Again, I think the movies, it, it doesn't need to be two and a half hours. And granted, we say that about a lot of movies, but there's some excess stuff here. And the story this movie's trying to tell is very much in the vein of like Infernal Affairs or The Departed, which is the Americanized version of Infernal Affairs. And um, Infernal Infernal Affairs is, I think, an hour and like 32 minutes, and it does a better job of telling the same type of story. So it's not that this story requires two and a half hours. It's that maybe we needed a couple of rewrites to trim out some of the fat Um, because there's a lot of scenes that I think you could cut out. And it's not just the action scenes that add the runtime here. It's also some of the story and some of the dialogue, which gets a little cheesy. And some of the, I don't know, it's it's fun. Um, but uh, I liked it. I liked it more than I didn't. But there's definitely some, there's room for improvement. Um, I am very curious, Corey, uh, on your take of both movies, because you had to watch both. So you actually yeah. have a fresher take on the first movie. Um, I really liked the first movie, but uh, truth be known, I watched most of the first movie on my phone um, at a I golf match. I, I, I was, it was part of the uh, Burke review requirement. Oh, I had to watch a movie a, a day. Movie a day. And I, I had, that was the only way I was going to fit one in was to watch it on my phone. So I, I did what I had to do, but definitely not the ideal situation to watch it. And that probably pays a big part in why I didn't remember much of the first one. Um, so I, I was a little salty that I had to watch two movies for one episode. 
<laughs> because I was just that's the way I am. Um, but when I started when I started the first movie, I was into it. It I felt like the storyline was super easy to follow. I felt like so I was never into martial arts movies. I'm very picky about my action movies. Um or the action movies that I will watch. Um, but I felt like all the fights in the first movie were like really good, really, you know, I was interested in what was going on. I felt like there was danger, you know, and if somebody can die, I feel like we should definitely feel like there's danger, but Mm -hmm. I, there, I didn't like some of the camera stuff in either of the movies. They were really bad in both of them about turning the camera with a lot of the action. Mm. This is where I get really good with technical terms, guys. Um I don't think that there was as much shaky cam in the first one, but I was just way more into the first movie. Second movie was way too long. Way too long. I didn't think that it was easy to follow. I was like, "Wait, what? Who?" There were just way too many characters. I don't think that we needed all of that. Um, and also some of the fights I felt like were not very, you know. Yes. How are you going to be able to fight just one person at a time when 20 people are coming at you? Okay. Well, see that that's a criticism of the whole genre. Um, but martial I didn't art films feel notoriously like do that. It was as bad in the first movie. In this movie, it happened over and over and over again. Yeah, I think um, John Wick three suffers from that. Like, because to me, the a lot of people like John Wick three as more than some of the other ones, which I think mm. is crazy. Because the first two movies are really grounded in this like reality based fighting, where he's like rapidly killing everybody he can. Like, there's no like long extended fights. He kills yeah. you and you he moves Survive. on. The the third movie is like one guy, but he fights him for like twenty minutes and. He's not killing them. And I'm like, I, I'm not encouraging people to kill people, especially, but in movies, especially again, when the established character, that's his MO, uh, I felt like it deviated. Um, but in traditional martial art films, um, Bruce Lee films, especially the circle of bad guys waiting their turn for fights was a common trope that people have nitpicked for years because it, it is exactly that. Like if you really want to beat him, everybody attack at Hang once. On Why him. are you taking turns? Yeah. But it's, it looks better visually you know <laughs> although I, this movie did have the i thought an innovative use of that when he was in the bathroom stall and uh how he used the stall to like keep them at bay for a little bit until they finally just like all caved in on him yeah but i thought that was a really good strategy for that I, I felt like that one made sense when you're out in the middle of you know a yard or you're in the middle of a building that's just open. I don't know. I had a really hard time with that. And I didn't, I can't like remember it being like that. Cause there in the first one, there are quite a few times where there are a couple people fighting one person at once. And those were the only people in the area that I can remember. And that, that movie did a really great job of using the space that actually started a different trend. Um, We've seen uh, hallway and stairway fights, um, become a, a very tropish event since the raid. Um, the movie Dread with Carl Urban is very much a a rehash of the raid setup. Um, in Daredevil season one on Netflix, there's uh, an iconic uh, hallway fight scene that is like all one shot and it's amazing. Um, Atomic Blonde did a very similar stairway fight that again utilizes like the different floors and layers. Um, so we've seen that now be become kind of tropish as a way of again. Uh, there could be a lot of people, but because of the narrow hallways, it kind of limits how many uh, people can come at once kind of thing where like you're saying these big open spaces, you, it is, it, it makes you suspend reality. But I think that's true about a lot of this movie. Anyways, there's a lot of stuff that's like, no, no, this isn't real. Like this is clearly, you know, heightened and over the top, but. I mean, there are, you know, on both sides in both the movies, there are good guys and bad guys. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, they're badasses. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I have to say. Well, I will. Um, 
I had another criticism. Oh, uh, I, I guess that's maybe a spoiler. I, before we go to spoilers, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to address. Um, well, I guess the uh, the plot synopsis I didn't read uh, is only a short time after the first raid. Literally, it's like a few hours, I guess, at most later, which is what really threw me off. And again, I had to go read the synopsis of, of the raid uh, Redemption. Uh, Rama goes undercover with the thugs of Jakarta and plans to bring down the syndicate and uncover the corruption within his police force. That's where it takes on the departed kind of undercover, uh, who can you trust approach. Um, uh, I, man, I, I really thought this had negative ratings. That's why I never got into it. I don't know what made me think that. Cause I'm looking at everything now. I'm like, I see nothing really bad about this one. Um, I don't know if I confused it with another movie or what, but nevertheless, uh, that's the spoiler-free version. Let's get into spoilers. Guys, from here on outwards, we're going to talk about the raid two in great detail. You have been warned. Okay, so let's talk Hammer Girl. Um, <laughs> Hammer Girl apparently is deaf, right? Because he signs to her. Um, she she's called Hammer Girl because she has two slightly over oversized hammers uh I mean, they're not they're they're a little big um but man the fight choreography on the subway with the hammers is so brutal and so inventive because like i i've seen like old boy the especially i i think brolin uses the hammer too but in the actual south korean film old boy the the hammer is is much more brutal and violent but it it doesn't feel like someone who is trained to use a hammer as their weapon of choice. It's more like I have a hammer, so I'm going to hit people with a hammer. This is clearly a person who is trained to use the hammer as her like signature weapon because she is using it all over. Like she's using the claw part and she's ripping and like tearing things and then smashing things with the other. It is brutal. It is super gory. Very, very bloody. This movie is super violent. If we haven't made that clear, uh, the, the hammer sequence though is one of the most violent sequences it is so out there um, and innovative. I I really enjoyed that fight sequence a lot. And I guess that one may fall into your complaint. At the same time, though, I feel like the subway car does keep the people from, like, surrounding her. But, it, like, still, it's one at a time. And here's what I don't understand. Maybe this is the American in me. I don't really know. But how are you going to be that important and not have a gun? How is no one in your entourage? You know what I mean? Like, I <laughs> that is a, that's definitely an American mindset. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I, um, I, I figured it would. And I'm like, am I going to offend somebody? Um, well, well, I'm saying that, like, jokingly in that Americans love guns. I don't know if don't there was a reason why people in Japan. I don't remember. Is this China or Japan? Is it Jakarta? I don't remember. Is that what Jakarta is the place? Oh man. See, I, I definitely did not keep up with a lot of this, but um, wherever they are, and I am sorry, we should find out. Um, it is Jakarta. It's the, yeah. What? But where is that? Which is Indonesia, I think. Guys, I'm not oh. good with geography. I'm not it, good it, with it any of that. It is the capital of Indonesia. It is of that stuff. A historic mix of cultures: uh, Javanese, Ma- Malay, China, Chinese, Arab, Indian, and European. Okay, didn't have any of that. Um, so we're in Jakarta. I, I don't for sure know what the ethnicity is or whatever, but um, or now more, I don't know what the gun policy is and all of that. I think that's a conceit to the the nature of the film, though. It's like we want martial arts fighting not gunfighting. So the the guns are used infrequently by comparison. Well, but some people have them. I mean, right. Big... But there it's very strategic with when the guns come out to the plot of the movie, right? Like it's only in certain very key moments are guns the weapon of choice. It just took me out of the movie. Like I don't believe it for a second because these are not people who follow rules anyway. But see, I I think that's I think they follow the rules of the film in but, which people fight with their fists and hands. Like that is, that is an established. Hammers. Kind of, 
Right. And a baseball okay. bat and a bat and a baseball. Yeah. Like right. I I'm saying that I'm thinking about this. I I know that sometimes we can't think about movies or like any art in like real life. You Which know? is what I'm saying. I am but, exactly saying that very statement to why that I think you're wrong for for letting that be something that attracts you because but it did. I think the movie's language explains away the guns in a way that makes sense for the movie. Like this is it's it's almost like a showing of strength that I don't need a gun. Like the guys who need guns are usually the weaker groups. Like think of like like um the the second in command his you know the son uh Uko he's portrayed as kind of a weakling in a in a you know a loose cannon. He shoots more people than anyone I think in the movie. He's Fair. constantly going to guns. Um, I just we're like Rama, even as a last resort, or even like the guy in the subway who is the guy that they're going after. Then why doesn't he mm. have a gun? Like, yeah, I, I'm not. Like, I don't. Know. I get what you're saying, and, and again, maybe there is. Saying. There could be a cultural element that we don't know that maybe Work. guns are are harder to come by or less. It could be an honor thing, like you know that like maybe uh, guns are for for sissies or cowards, and we don't use guns. I don't know. Um, I think in the world of the film, though, now in the first movie, there are a lot more guns at first because it is a police raid. And that is one of the things I was going to criticize this movie. The first movie is called The Raid colon Redemption. This movie is simply called The Raid 2, at least here. But there is no raid to speak of. This movie has no raids in it whatsoever uh in the sense of like police going into a criminal building and raiding it that doesn't happen in this movie um this this is literally an infiltration it's an undercover sting operation any of those would be better names granted you want it to be a direct sequel um more reason why maybe it could have been called the raid infiltration or something fair yeah because again no raid in this movie uh, where the first movie is exactly that the entire premise of the film is we're going to raid this drug ran apartment building and then it's backfires because the drug the drug runners offer the the regular tenants you know uh, free rent for life if they kill the cops so it becomes like an entrapment type situation which is what dread is as well basically the exact same premise um and the raid too it's like yeah no whatever you know it's cool we're just gonna slow slow burn undercover story this guy will be there and there are some amazing action set pieces uh there's a part where he realizes he's about to get attacked when he's in a taxi and like dives to the front of the car and he's like driving like that it like crazy scenes uh that are really really cool i i also i do like the baseball bat and um he's just called he's credited as baseball batman um, I like that he hits the ball and then he's like, ball, please. And the guy doesn't give him the ball. And he's like really mad about it. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't give you the ball either because I, you're going to hit me with it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> either way, I'm about to die. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to help my death is what I'm saying. Like, um, yeah. who but, uh, was the one guy? Is it Bejo? Bejo? Um, I don't know. Um, Which, no, no, no. That was the guy with the sunglasses. Bayo's the cane guy. Yeah, the the wannabe new leader of like the the mafia or whatever. Um, cheese and rice. Who's the one guy? It was hard well, to keep up with who was actually like double. Who was like? I don't know. Like I'm well, on... if you if you would describe the guy you're trying to name, I could maybe give you something. I thought it was. Uko, but it's not Uko. Is it Reza? It's the guy. So he helped Uko, Uko, um, set up everything. He was the really good fighter, and then he was attacked in the nightclub. The club. So that's uh, Prak Prak Oso. Uh, that's played by Jan. Oh, Ruin. they call him Koso. Is why I didn't recognize right. it. They they cut the pra off. Um. Yeah, he he has like the sad story because he, he wants he's doing the he's an assassin to give money to his son, but he's not allowed to see his son because he's an assassin. Is that you know that old tale? Um, and apparently, he was also in the raid one as a different character. He was, I think, Mad Dog. He was one of like the main guys. He, so, so those are both the characters in the movies that they're on the other side, but you don't even care because, and like Mad Dog in the first movie, he 
doesn't like guns because he doesn't find the thrill in it. So I could Whoa. understand that. Do you remember that part? Like, uh, no, not at all. I don't remember the first movie. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So like, I just was like, you know, blown away by him and he's so good in this movie and as a different character, but like his yeah. scene, I thought was pretty interesting because he helps Yuko like set up all this stuff for some reason, but then Yuko like double crosses him and he does have like a whole bunch of people coming at him. And I felt like there was that danger and then he mm -hmm. ends up dying. He makes it out and then he ends up being murdered anyway, but you know, yeah, and that, like the first when we're introduced to him, I thought that scene was really cool because he's like there to kill somebody, and um, the guys are like trying to stop him, and he's just like taking him out one by one in just really creative ways, and uh, yeah, I, I thought a lot of the action is really interesting and well choreographed. Again, I wish some of it was shot differently. The shaky cam does seem to kind of go away later in the movie. Um, but in the early action sequences, it's a lot of tight, shaky cam, and it was driving me nuts. But um, I think the hammer sequence is really good. I think uh, all of Koso's sequences, which I think are just two, I think you get his introduction and then the nightclub scene, which with the nightclub scene is nuts. Even how it, it happens, because he likes, he zones out on the, the picture of his kid on the locket, and then all of a sudden he realizes like he's alone in the club and there's no no music, there's no other people there, and that's when all the bad guys show up, and he's like, oh god, and um, it was surreal for a minute. Like I couldn't tell him like, was this like a dream? Because like, how did everyone clear out and him not notice anybody clear out? But it was, it it's for the sake of the movie and it, it's just, you know how it works, but. And then we think, Oh, okay. I was going to say two and a half hours, a little long, a little, a little long for this. There it, just it didn't need to be that long too much. And there, I felt like there was just time that stuff was happening that we just really didn't need at all. Uh -huh. It didn't like I agree. help the story at all. And then we find out wasn't it Eka who's the uh, undercover cop too? And yeah, yeah. Which, if I remember correctly, that's also in, in Infernal Affairs or The Departed. I think there's a similar oh. like um, double cross. Not to spoil those movies as well, but I'm I'm operating under the assumption most people have seen The Departed because it's Martin Scorsese, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson. Um, and so if you haven't seen that, apologies, but uh, it's a similar type of story. It, I didn't tell you all of it, but um, it's not also treated as much of as a reveal. Like, you know, kind of from the beginning that this is the, the element. Um, I didn't spoil how the, that plays out in that movie. Uh, here it ends. Uh, it ends weird, right? Rama gets downstairs and there's all the all the cops are. I think it's cops. No, no, it's the, the Japanese gang. Oh, I thought they were the Chinese there. gang. No, that was the ja for sure. That's the Japanese gang because that, that was always the contention was um, that the they had been at peace with the Japanese gang, oh. and then they 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 overstepped, and then like the son Uko was really mad because the dad was like catering to them instead of like fighting them, which is what he was trying to make the war start, and the dad was just like too level headed to do that. You could see his BS. Yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't know his son had betrayed him until he shoots him, uh, which was shocking. Um, but again, that's furthering my point that guns are for cowards because Uko shoots his dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cold blood. Um, I didn't think about that. But still, one person at a time? Yeah, I, I, again, uh, that's a trope. Your your complaints with the whole martial art genre at that point. So. I, I, I Before I even started this, I have I, I don't watch them. <laughs> But but that's what I'm saying. Like I have heard that criticism forever because it's it's been a trope. I am fine with it because I like to see the choreography of the fights. And if every time there were twenty or thirty bad guys and versus one guy, they just crowded him, it wouldn't be fun to watch. Um, granted, you could argue, well, why do there have to be thirty guys? It's like, well, because he, it it also is boring to watch the one guy fight one guy for twenty five minutes. Most of the time. Well, you expect that with the quote-unquote boss fight, like when Bruce Lee fights Chuck Norris in Return of the Dragon. That fight goes on for a long time, but it's Chuck Norris fighting Bruce Lee. You're okay with it at that point. And then, like, Game of Death, he has big fights because it's basically the tower. Of, like, it's what every fighting game has ever tried to replicate is this, like, 
tower system where like I fight this guy, then I fight the next guy until I get to the top boss. That's game of death. But in most movies, there's a sequence where there's a lot of people uh, fighting the bad guy. I mean, Jackie Chan does it in the most innovative ways because he like he's never staying in one spot. He's constantly like climbing. Jackie Chan's like a freaking acrobat like the dude like hops around jumps from floor to floor so he's always running from the bad guys and bringing them like to situations where one-on-one makes sense correct but most people can't do what jackie chan does that's why jackie chan is so fantastic is because he's he's doing things that we wouldn't think humans could do (laughs) safely maybe consistently (laughs) and and so like I think that again, it creates. He's able to create space in ways that most people wouldn't be able to, or maybe aren't willing to, because he has been hurt a billion times because he does oh, his own stunts. Um, so again, like that's there are other ways to do it, and I think Jackie Chan probably looked at people criticize this. How can I still have a bunch of people fighting me, but keep it fresh? And the other part is he often gets his butt kicked in the movies like a lot of these other movies that we're referring to the the hero guy barely gets hit a lot of times right like it's them dodging a lot of these hits and then counter attacks jackie chan's getting hit much more often but also still like he's countering in ways that again are not how most people would counter like he's falling back on one guy and then pushing this guy so that he can duck underneath the punch and then swirling jackie chan if you haven't watched a jackie chan movie listeners and or Corey. You, there's some amazing Jackie Chan films that you should totally watch. Uh, Project A is one that comes to mind. Um, the story is a little hard to follow on that one, but the the fight sequences are outstanding. And it's also Jackie Chan paying homage to the silent film era. There's like three direct homages to like iconic moments from silent films uh, just in Project A alone. And the fight choreography is is so phenomenal. And he also has uh, Samo Hung was a regular collaborator. And um, the he Samo Hung gives hope to all large men because he's a big guy, but he moves like Jackie Chan, and it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, just outstanding. And then um, I like a lot of Jackie Chan's early American released films, like Rumble in the Bronx, uh, Super Cop, which was a re release from a, a Chinese film. But uh, if you like the Raid and Raid Redemption, and you haven't seen I'm sorry, The Raid Redemption and The Raid 2. If you haven't seen a Jackie Chan film, um, and I, I'm also a big advocate for Bruce Lee, obviously. I bought Bruce Lee's Criterion box set last year. Uh, um, you know, I love those. I, and Corey, you got me uh, the Police Story uh, oh, yeah, box the double. set from Jackie Chan. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for that, by the way. Um, so again, big martial art movie fan here. Uh, I, I'm... I, my my gap area is samurai films. I've seen a lot less samurai movies than I've, um, but I've seen a lot of good and a lot of bad martial art movies in my life, and I I tend to enjoy them. Um, I've I've I mean the Ninja Turtles was my first exposure I think to martial arts, um, and Batman. I mean Batman's obviously a martial artist too, but the the Ninja Turtles were an early like hook for me and 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 the karate who am i kidding martial arts are a major part of my upbringing (laughs) like all the way around i always was fascinated by it um always got into those those things and so uh at some point i i did pull away from them um but the movies like this uh i've seen it man it man's fantastic too i haven't watched all of the it man but the first one's really good um and there's some other stuff that's happened and we've obviously uh you know, the American films have adapted some martial arts style movies with like the born identity and stuff like that. And they've taken their own liberties and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. But overall, if there's a martial art sequence, um, one of the reasons why I'm such a big Keanu Reeves fan, uh, because he is in the martial arts and he integrates them into a lot of his action movies. And um, for me, these movies are really enjoyable. I did. I do wish the Ray two was a little shorter, but I still thought it was really, really good. And sounds like you were more up on it than down uh so for the first one i would give it not quite golden pony boy and then for this one i would do a decent watch i'm okay with that i think that's normal for a sequel to to lose a little something and i think i'm pretty sure that was an hour what would pin dang (laughs) um i I would be happy with half an hour but uh an hour you know um but so i'm gonna go i think i'm gonna go just just over into not quite golden but definitely leaning towards decent watch and I guess I was just reading Wikipedia, big Wikipedia advocate over here, but um, 
apparently there was talk of a third one and the director said no. So if it was going to be well, like three or four hours, thank you. He has a TV show right now on, I think it's AMC. The It's Gangs of of London. Something like that. Um, oh. That also has a lot of martial arts choreography and stuff in it. And I've heard it's very good. I've not seen it. Um, but I am intrigued by it. And I'm looking up the first movie because I'm curious what its uh, critic scores and stuff were. I think they're higher. Oh, well, no. The IMDb uh, rating is a 7.6, which is lower, but a 73. So it is point. I think it's two points higher. If I remember correctly, I think the rate two was uh, 71 on Metascore. So people like both. Um, I think the, the fight choreography is just, I think you can see more it's, in the first movie. I mean, like, I'm not saying that they're not skilled and they're not impressive. Sure, just, sure. Yeah. Well, that's our review of uh, The Raid 2. Next week, we are going to be watching Sleepaway Camp 2. Um, I'm trying to pull it up. You're it all has welcome. Um, Sleepaway Camp 2, colon unhappy campers because <laughs> we needed that subheadline. Uh, I got to tell you right away, right away. I'm intrigued to watch the third one because the third one's called teenage wasteland. Um, oh, which man. sounds like a trauma film. And then, and then do you know about the 2008 return to sleepaway camp? No. Yeah. And apparently, Oh God, oh, there's a fourth one. That for some reason is lower on the list than the fifth one, uh, which is Return to Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp for The Survivor. Um, but yeah, 2008, Return to Sleepaway Camp exists. So there are five of these movies. Oh my god, um, I'm so ready. Uh, we have to watch all five. Uh, I think that's the only fair way to do it, right? Uh, no, I have seen the first one. In fact, not that long ago. I watched it just a few years back. Um, I knew about the big twist of the first movie. Uh prior to seeing it but um i liked a lot about the first one and its choice to uh to shoot the killer from a uh, pov perspective um for a lot of it to, to really keep it a secret because that's one of the things i liked about that slasher versus a lot of the other slashers was there's a mystery element built into it um that a lot of slasher films don't bother with because it's just a big monster or whatever but sleepaway camp uh kind of borrows from i think friday the 13th in that way if i remember correctly the first friday the 13th is mostly from pov uh so you don't know who the killer is um so i thought that was good uh and then here i'm curious to see how bad this one is uh let's just for a basis of comparison sleepaway camp on letterbox has a 3.3 uh letterbox rating and sleepaway camp 2 has a 2.8 that's actually not that bad of a drop-off um by comparison. So it is available to watch free uh, on Tubi TV as T-U-B-I or on Pluto TV, apparently, um, which is P-L-U-T-O. Uh, I love that in the picture of the cover for this movie that there is a Friday the 13th mask and Freddy's claw glove in her backpack. I don't know what they're going for there. Is this like a parody movie of other horror films? Like, oh my god, swipes. Uh, go through some of these posters. <laughs> um, so, also, uh, the premise spoils the first movie. Uh, and wow, this movie is not going to have aged well, by the way. Uh, oh god, what did I do to us? <laughs> yeah, well, because... Okay, I'm going to say the premise, folks. This is not my words. Angela Baker... A psychotic transsexual escapes from a mental hospital and surfaces at a summer camp as a counselor who lectures her teen teenage charges on proper moral behavior. Oh man! Um, so yeah, that's what we're watching next week. Uh, Corey has doomed us. Don't worry, folks, because I think we're going to end on even worse of a movie for Unwanted. Um, no, I would say the Raid Two overall is a wanted sequel minus maybe thirty minutes, maybe forty. Um. Sleepaway Camp 2 appears to be a sequel no one asked for, and I, I promise you The Exorcist 2, the, I believe it's The Heretic, Heretic, is also part of it, uh, is a movie that is one of the worst sequels of all time. Um, so the last two films of this month, we are we are putting <sighs> ourselves through a little bit of torture for uh, our entertainment and yours. At so, least we've both seen the first ones. 
very true. We do not have to watch two movies for either of the next two episodes. Uh, and and if, didn't we? Did we do the Exorcist on the show? Huh. I don't remember. I can't I remember like for sure because I had not seen it uh, from beginning to end since I was like, I don't even think as a kid I'd seen it all the way through. I think it freaked me out too much. Um, so I feel like we might have, but if not, I definitely watched it within the last few years. It's Matt's favorite movie of all time. Um, Hi, Matt. And so, uh, yes, hello, sir. Uh, but that's it for this episode, folks. Um, if you like what we're doing here, we ask that you take a minute to rate and review the podcast on whatever podcatcher that you are currently using. Um, we're going to be again talking about Sleepaway Camp 2 colon uh, unhappy, I can't remember this, unhappy campers. Um, if you want to share your thoughts about that movie or any of the movies that we review on Movie Club, you can hit us up on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey, our star, two R's on the end. We will be back next week with our review of Sleepaway Camp 2, Unhappy Campers. Until then, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watch Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>